King David had plenty of difficulties, but through it all, he trusted God and found that he is true to his word. As a result, David could honestly say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what Dr. J. Vernon McGee calls putting Christianity into shoe leather. And taking our experience, that is, with God and then sharing it in the marketplace, in the schoolroom, the office, and the workshop. Welcome to Through the Bible. We're in Psalm 34 and 35 today as we listen to David's beautiful reflections on some of the most trying times of his life. I'm Steve Schwetz, and before the Bible bus gets rolling, let's take up just a minute to hear from a few listeners who, like David, have gone through some pretty hard circumstances, and they now share of God's goodness and comfort during these times. First, there's a letter from a listener of our Mandarin broadcast. Hello, blessings to you in Christ. I like listening to the program very much, but during a season when I was persecuted by my father, I could only listen and communicate with you in secret. It was awful, but I praise God that I was encouraged by your program. I could feel God was with me and his love was evident, even when my father's intent was to destroy my faith. Hallelujah. And then there's this letter from a listener of our Canada broadcast. That's in Karnataka, India. Every morning I listen to your broadcast. Last year my son passed away and my husband deserted me. Since then, I have been crying and praying. Until this day my husband has not returned, but I continue to thank God for saving me from sin and death and giving me the joy of salvation. While I was walking through this difficult situation, I had a lot of questions on my mind. I'm thankful for your programs that sustained me. Sometimes my friends, neighbors, and family members mocked me and challenged me, saying, Where is your God? You've stopped worshiping other gods and started praying to Jesus, which is the reason you are facing these problems. They have even said, Let your husband come back to you, then we will believe that Jesus is God. But whenever I am discouraged and I am in tears, I thank God that I can talk to you over the phone and your team is always there to pray for me and comfort me through the word of God. I'm still hoping and waiting for the day that my husband will come back to me and the day my family members will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I kindly request you to pray for me. I need your prayer and support and God's grace to stand for my Jesus. Once again, I want to thank God for your broadcast and follow-up ministry, which is the backbone to my spiritual life. Wow, what a great letter. Well, if you'd like to join us as we pray for listeners like these and for those in-country teams who not only produce the programs, but they also follow up with listeners on the phone like they did with this listener, as well as by text, email, letters, and personal visits, then sign up for our world prayer team at ttb.org forward slash pray. Now let's come to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can trust you. We lift up to you those who are being persecuted for their faith. There are so many all around the world. Would you fill them with your strength, Lord, and encourage them to overcome these difficult times? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our study of Psalms 34 and 35 on Through the Bible. Now today, friends, our study brings us to the 34th Psalm. And we're going to be moving along now a little more rapidly, because if we don't, we'll be all summer in the book of Psalms. And I can't think of a better place to be, but we are going through the Bible, you will recall. Now, this is a psalm that we have an explanation, and it's part of the inspired text at the beginning. It says, "...a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed." Now, this is a fine place for me to illustrate something 
that the critic has used to discredit the Word of God, and it's led a great many uninstructed folks away from believing in the integrity and inerrancy of Scripture. Now, actually, this goes back to an incident that's recorded in the life of David. If you would go back, which we'll not do today, really to the 21st chapter of 1 Samuel and verses 10 through 15, you will recall that Saul was after this man David. And this young man was fleeing for his life. And he was going from one cave to another, hiding. And he was way down in that region of the wilderness, down toward the Dead Sea. And not many can survive in that area. In fact, a bishop from San Francisco didn't make it through that wilderness. I've driven through it. Now, I want to say to you, I wouldn't want to drive through there by myself. Now, David knew it, and he was able to survive in that wilderness. And he was able to hide from Saul. But David grew weary, and his faith got very weak and very thin. And he finally thought, well, I'm going to be destroyed. And he went out of the land into the land of the Philistines, which is way down in that area, but toward the west. And so he got over among the Philistines, and the king there of the Philistines at that time, he received David. And then there were those around him that said, look, David's not your friend. You must remember that back in that land, they've been saying that Saul has killed his thousands and David is tens of thousands. And remember, he killed our giant. And we want you to know that when he slew Goliath, he took down a lot of our defense that we had. And he's not our friend. You better get rid of him. David saw he was in real danger. So David acted like a madman, you know, acted like he was absolutely insane. And in that day, there was a superstition about insane people. You didn't destroy them. You had to turn them out, put them out. And that's the reason that you find that man among the tombs you remember, that was possessed with demons. Freed is an insane man. And David acted like that, and that's the only way he got away with his life. Now, it was that time that God had delivered him, and then he came back in the land and hiding in the cave of Adullam. And I think lying there in the safety of that cave, David said, I should have trusted God. And this is a psalm that comes out of that. Now, if you go back and read the record, you will notice it says, Achish was the king. And here it says Abimelech. Now, here's where the critic has come along, and I could quote you several of them that have made the statement that it is quite obvious that therefore this is not an inspired psalm and David this, that, and the other, and this is an error in the Bible. But you see, Abimelech was the title of every Philistine king, and Achish was the name of the king. It was just like you have down in Egypt. Every king in Egypt was a pharaoh. But that wasn't the name of each king. But everyone was called a pharaoh. And you have among the Amalekites, every ruler there was called an Agagite. An Agag, it's the royal family. But each one of them had a name. And so, may I say to you, the critic has taken advantage of things like that and I had a young fellow when I was teaching bring this to me. He was greatly distressed. said, I believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures, but here's an error. There's no error at all. 
It's lack of knowledge in our own minds and hearts. And when you think you find an error in the Bible, remember, the error's not in the Bible. The problem is with you. (laughs) That's the trouble today. It's the problem with the critic. Now, David writes this psalm after that, and he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. When you're in trouble, when you get discouraged, and you're defeated. And that was David. Here he was running and running and running, and it just looked like that never come to an end. And he became discouraged. And he thought one of these days he'd be killed. But now he says, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. And friends, I do pretty good at praising God on a good sunshiny day and things are going right. Very difficult when things are difficult, is it not? But listen to him. I'll bless the Lord at all times. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Now, listen to him. Oh, this is a great statement. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I have thought about taking this verse and putting it on the stationery of the Through the Bible. I want you to join with me in magnifying the Lord because we're going to find out in one of the Psalms that the Word of God and the name of God are just about the same. And both are important. And we want to get out the Word of God because it'll magnify the Lord. And I just like to say to you with the psalmist, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together in getting out the Word of God today. Now, David says, verse 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, David, in the first three verses, it's just a praise. This is a hallelujah chorus. Now, he gives us the cause, the reason for his praise. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. How wonderful. And they looked unto me and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. Can you say that today? Oh, I thank God for the way he's led me. And I'm sure you can, friends. Now, verse 7, "...the angel of the Lord encampeth round about those who fear him and delivereth them." This is the first mention we've had of the angel of the Lord. And there'll be only one other time that the angel of the Lord will be mentioned. Now, without going into any detail today, because I spoke about this back in the book of Joshua, the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. You don't see the angel of the Lord after you come to the New Testament, because he's become a man. And he's no longer an angel, he's a man. (laughs) And when he appeared back in the Old Testament, I think it is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ And he says here, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about those who fear him and delivereth them. And the Lord Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And now here's his invitation. David says, if you don't believe this is true, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusteth in him. Oh, happy is the man. Say, there's nothing like Trust in the Lord. And this is an invitation. Now, David had been out in that cave, and he's an outdoors man. He was rugged. He'd seen this sight. Verse 10, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. 
He'd even seen little lions, these little lion cubs, hungry, just whining for something to eat. Yet God took care of them. But now he says, but they who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Now, I tell you, if a lion can take care of a little cub, God can take care of you and me. Isn't this wonderful? That's what David learned by experience. This is putting Christianity into shoe leather today. And we need it in shoe leather. I'm so tired of Christianity today that's just good for Sunday morning service and singing the doxology. And that just about ends it for a great many folk. I love what the man up in San Francisco, he's a broker that wrote to me. He said, and one of the nicest things that have been said to me, he says, you do not sound like you're speaking back of stained glass windows. Well, thank God for that. Now, there's nothing wrong about speaking back of stained glass windows. I did that for 40 years. But I hope that it didn't sound like it came from back of stained glass windows. I wanted to get down where it sounds like it came from the sidewalk, the marketplace, and from the schoolroom, and from the office, and the workshop. This thing's got to walk in shoe leather. It's no good. This man David says, I found out this is true. <laughs> because I experienced it. Taste of the Lord. Now, we read verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. And I need to learn that. Maybe you need to learn that. But maybe we better move on. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. Now, God says he hears and answers prayer. Don't tell me he doesn't, because he does. He knows how to say no. Now, verse 16, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. I don't have time to go into that today, but there's a lot of sentimental rot in plays where some old, I was going to call him something I ought not to call him, but some low-down sinner, and he has deserted a wife and a little baby. And then after living in sin, a murderer, thief, and everything else, he comes home when the little girl or the little boy is sick, and he gets down by the bed, and he prays a prayer. And when he does, you can hear boo-hoos all over the audience, people boo-hooing. My friend, I do not know. That turns my tummy. You know why? God says, I don't hear the prayer of a man like this. You have no right my unsaved friend, to go to God and ask him for anything except one thing, Lord, save me. And you don't even have to ask him for forgiveness. I think that little routine they give, forgive me. You don't have to ask him for... He's got forgiveness for you. All you have to do is trust Christ, and he'll automatically forgive you. What he's saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Oh, this is wonderful, by the way. Now, I must lift out maybe one or two other statements. Verse 18, The Lord is near unto those who are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite heart. You're willing to take a place of humility, come as a sinner to him, and trust him. Now, that old reprobate that turned and prayed about the little sick girl, if he'll accept Christ and acknowledge his sin, and he'll receive Jesus Christ... God will hear him. But now, you're not free from trouble. I don't care who you are. Verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, 
but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. This psalm is so wonderful, and it's so quoted and misquoted, as you can see. Now, I move along to the 35th psalm. And here is a psalm. David wrote this psalm. And he wrote it during the days of his persecution by King Saul. It goes along with the other one. In fact, you can put 1 Samuel 24 down by this. And it's a powerful appeal to a righteous God to execute judgment upon the enemies of God and the persecutors of his righteous people. Now, there are those that like to say, well, this is not the kind of prayer Christians should pray. And the Lord Jesus never talked like this. He gave a parable about a widow that went to a judge and said, avenge me of mine adversary. And that judge, it took him a long time to come around to it, but he did. And the Lord Jesus is saying, do you think God is an unkind, hard-hearted judge? No. God is gracious and wonderful. And then Paul did say to us, he says, we're to avenge not yourself, brethren. <laughs> you turn that over to the Lord. For vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, you and I are not to take vengeance today. We're to turn it over to God. This is his department. And my friend, he's going to handle it. And he'll handle it better than you and I will handle it. Very frankly, I've turned several people over to the Lord, as far as I'm concerned. I'd like to smack them in the mouth if you really want to know the truth. No use me beating around the bush. I have that same feeling of wanting to hit a man in the mouth. I know one, he's a liar. I know he's a liar. <laughs> and he pretends to be, you know, why my, how he pretends to be an outstanding Christian, carries a big Bible under his arm. But God told me, he says, Oh, Vernon, don't you hit him in the mouth because you'll be wrong. You won't be walking by faith. You trust me. Vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. So I've turned him over to the Lord. I think the Lord will spank him. I want to say to you, friends, oh, we need to learn to walk this pathway. But if you think this is out of line here, I think maybe you and I are out of line. Now, this is a great psalm, and I'm going to lift out this part that's the imprecatory prayer. David was in trouble. He was running away from Saul. And Saul, in that chapter 24... He even said to David, when David spared his life, he said, I know you're going to be king. I know God's given it to you, and you are more righteous than I am. Then why didn't Saul bring him back in? Well, he didn't bring him back in. Well, you want to listen to David's prayer? Verse 4, Let them be confounded and put to shame who seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion who devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. David wanted to turn it over to the Lord, too, you see. And here we have the second mention, and these are the only two mentions of the angel of the Lord we have in Psalm 34, then Psalm 35. Let their way be dark and slippery. Let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they've digged for my soul." Let destruction come upon him unawares, and let his net that he hath hidden catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. Now, that sounds very extreme. It's an imprecatory prayer. And I think that it may be inconsistent for a Christian to pray that prayer today when he's told us to turn things over to him. But if you have an idea that somehow another God is not going to take 
vengeance, and he'll do it without being vindictive, you see. He'll do it in justice and in righteousness and in holiness. And you can afford to turn it over to God, and he's going to make things right, by the way. This is a great psalm. It's a great comfort and a solace for the soul of man. Now listen to David after he prayed that prayer. Verse 9, "...and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, who delivereth the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him." David was a very poor man at this time. You'll recall that those that were in debt and those that were in distress, those that were discontented. That three classes of men came to David in that day. He was a sort of a Robin Hood. And I think that the man who wrote Robin Hood got the idea from this man David, by the way. And it was that time that David began to build up an army. But he's just a poor young boy running away, you see. And then there's something very interesting in verse 16. "...with hypocritical mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth." They not only did that, but they made fun of David. Now, a mocker in that day was a court jester. And he was hired, of course, to amuse the guests at a banquet. And they were hypocritical. They would come in and make fun of David, running away, hiding from the king and not fighting, you know. He could slay a giant Goliath, but he's afraid of King Saul with hypocritical mockers in the feast. And friends, they're about us today, and you'll find them in the church. I was in the church a long time. I'm not against the church, but I'm in a position to say some things about folk in the church, and it hurts the testimony of the church. And that church is the bride of Christ, and God still has a purpose in the church. And somebody needs today to do some cleaning up on the inside. We're not to judge the world, but we're to judge things inside the church. And there's a lot of this inside the church today. They ridicule God's men. They lie about God's men. And they do it in the most pious way. And they are hypocritical mockers. They are jesters in the court of God today, ridiculing God's men. And that is true. My, this is a great psalm. Now we come to Psalm 36, and we won't get very far with it. And you have here in the beginning of this psalm, really a picture of the wicked. And I see I'm going to have to wait till next time to deal with this. And you get a view here of the human heart. All of us have a wicked heart. Now, we may not believe it, but we all have a wicked heart. And we're going to be looking at that wicked heart next time in the 36th Psalm, because the translation where he says, "...the transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes." What he says is this, "...the wicked hath an oracle of transgression in his heart." What is that oracle of transgression? Friends, that's that old nature that you and I have, that Adamic nature, that sinful nature, the flesh that's in all of us. And the Lord Jesus has already said, what comes out of the heart? The Old Testament, Jeremiah said, heart's desperately wicked. Say, we've all got heart trouble. And God has a remedy, by the way, for heart trouble. But we'll have to wait till next time to see that. So until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. 
Join us next time as we hear about God's remedy for our heart trouble. In the meantime, let's read Psalm 36 through 38 in preparation for our study and see what God reveals to us about the conditions of our own hearts. If the Psalms have been ministering to you, would you write and let us know that? Your letters really do encourage us, and they let us know that you're listening and learning. All you need to do is tell us what God's doing in your life as you've committed this time to His Word. And if you're sharing His Word with others, you know we'd love to hear that too. Just send your note or email to BibleBus at ttb.org or by mail. You can write to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1, or leave a message on our Facebook page. You can also call 1-800-65-BIBLE and leave a message. Oh, and one last thing. When you're in touch with us, be sure to tell us how you catch the Bible bus. Is it by our app? Is it online? Through our Bible companions? Or maybe your favorite radio station? Remember, we've said this before, by sharing this little bit of information, you really do help us be good stewards of the resources that God has provided through the faithful friends like you. So thanks in advance. Well, I'm Steve Schwetz. So grateful for your company on the Bible bus and your fellowship in Christ today. As Dr. J. Vernon McGee liked to say, may God richly bless you, my beloved. We're grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.